Andy does love some Andy. It's like you're inside of my head. <laughs> what is your fascination with Peterson? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Dear future me, <laughs> don't go to the courthouse. The Katie's moral a- of the story is don't leave your martial arts equipment and your other coat in a parallel dimension. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. <laughs> I'm Andy and I like every comic that's ever been made. I would not go to Jonathan Frake's booth because I would get space herpes. And now your hosts... Luke Matthews. Yeah. She's like, you know what? The world's going to end, and I've never kissed anybody, so you know what? I'm going to kiss my brother. And Bean. Representing the United States West Coast. Dazzler. And Andy Padel. <laughs> my brain, it's melting and filled with goo at the moment. I need boo-boos. Welcome, everybody, to episode 22 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am only one of a triumvirate of hosts that are here today. I am Luke Matthews, and the other two legs of this tripod are Andy Padel hey. and Ann Bean. Hello. Unfortunately, Joel couldn't make it tonight, so it's just the three of us talking about a bunch of bullshit. Today we are going to discuss uh, Axe Cop Bad Guy Earth, the second trade in the Axe Cop series. Uh by Malachi Nicole and Ethan Nicole. Uh, we'll get into details about that later. But as always, we'll start by talking to people about what they're reading. What are you guys reading? And go for it. I had the saddest of all of the two-week periods in that what I read was a quite good graphic memoir that was on my reading list for school, um, which is Stitches by David Small. And it's I've heard of that, but I've never actually... I don't know. I know nothing about it. It's dark and interesting. It charts like... His growing up uh, in the fifties with these like strangely unloving parents, and uh, that's not so strange. They're uh, <laughs> it's so it's so well done, and it's about his like various sicknesses and injuries that like he opens it saying like everyone in my house had this wordless language. My mother would like slam pots and pans and kitchen cabinet doors around. My brother would play his drums. My father would you know punch a punching bag downstairs, and I would get sick. Um, and it, it it charts a very like weird and dramatic arc involving. Him and then getting... after crashing a train, he finds out that there's his polar opposite in the universe, played by Bruce Willis. <laughs> this this character is kind of the opposite of Bruce Willis <laughs> in, in in a way. But uh, in any case, it's a really really well done. Does um, does the character look uh, like Samuel Jackson? No, <laughs> not it, kind of the opposite of Samuel L. Jackson. Then, if there could be a third opposite between Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, David Small would be it. Oh, I just have this John ama- Leguizamo. I have this no. amazing <laughs> like mental image of the movie D. based on this, where it's like you know typical Caucasian family, and they're talking about their small son, and you know Samuel Jackson walks out <laughs> playing the role of the yeah. six year old boy. That would be great. Mom, Actually, I need some motherfucking corn pops. <laughs> He could pull it off. He could pull it off. I think, I think if Steve Buscemi as a child, like if Buscemi, could, if Buscemi could be shrunken into child form, that would play. Is it Buscemi? Yeah, Buscemi. Was Buscemi. 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 Oh. Whatever. Yeah. Foreign foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, He's America. God damn it. America. Um, and other than that, I really did not read anything. But I wrote comics. Several nice. of them. So yay. 
Oh, that's rough. I don't know. I don't know if we can accept the fact that you're creating something. Uh. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm working on something. You're like, we can't accept that. Meanwhile, you spent like six hours of the past, you know, three months of podcast talking about Nano Marmot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nano Marmot is the best marmot. Yeah, because he's tiny. Um, what, do you, what are you reading, Andy? I have been reading a lot of manga recently because a bunch of my friends have been on reading. On purpose? Yes. A bunch of okay. my friends have been reading <laughs> uh, The Hunger Games. Uh-huh. And I wanted to read a more adult version of that, so I decided to reread <laughs> Battle Royale yeah. because I like plot. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Just Have you read The Hunger Games? I, I've read three chapters of it. Okay. I would suggest reading the first book. But the problem is it's part of a trilogy. It, it is, but read the first book and then just then it just stop. Just don't read the rest. Because <laughs> the Hunger Game? Yeah, the the <laughs> one <laughs> Hunger Game is fine. Because the first book is actually I mean it's a young adult novel so it's it's you know it's not it, conforms it, to the lost names of the genre. Right, and it's not going to be the you know the most elaborate prose you've ever read in your life, but the first book is really decent and it's engaging and it's fun and the rest of the books are like the second book is just kind of like a huh and then the third book is a fucking dumpster fire that third book is a mess it's just uh other than that i read swallow me whole by nathan powell uh he also wrote any empire um Mm. rad this book there this past two weeks has just been filled with books that have just fucked with my mind completely. <laughs> All right, I have one question for you. If you're on the if you're you know stuck on the Battle Royale Island, what weapon do you want? The Battle Royale Island? The fucking submachine gun. <laughs> I'd go sniper rifle personally, not that anyone had one of those, but that wasn't one of the options. You... If it was one of the options, I would take it. My luck I'd get the boxing gloves. I'd probably get the spork. <laughs> <laughs> a pillow? Seriously? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want I wouldn't want a I wouldn't want a submachine gun because it can run out of ammo. That's true. Well, what you do is you use that on people who have things that don't run out of ammo. Sure. Give me a, give me a, a crossbow. Crossbow. Crossbow, crossbow didn't work out so well for the guy who had it. Well, that's, that's fair because you got to use it right. The guy who yeah. had it. So, bulletproof vest was a good one. Yeah. Ooh, that is a good that one. That is a good one. Yeah. I have been reading uh I've been catching up again on on a lot of the stuff that I've been behind on so most of my week has consisted of um Planet of the Apes the the ongoing IDW. series for my DW which or Boom Studios uh which is excellent it is so good and it keeps and it's consistently good um I talked about it m- months and months and months ago early in the show because I had bought like the the third issue um, and they're up to issue ten now, and it's it's excellent. And um, I'm not talking about Betrayal of the Planet of the Apes, which is uh, a separate series um, that I've also heard is good, but I haven't read. But part of what are the part of what I like about this series is is Carlos Magno's art is fucking amazing. Like his art is incredible, and he got a um, the coloring has gotten better because it used to be really kind of just muddy, ugly coloring in the early episode, early issues and. The newest issues, uh, the coloring is a lot brighter and more vibrant, and it's it's a lot better. But yeah, it's a good series, and I got caught up on uh, Sixth Gun and Strange Talent of Luther Strode, which is um, 
almost over with now. Uh, it's on issue issue six comes out in a couple weeks, and that'll be the end of Luther Strode. And um, Luther Strode is probably my favorite comic of 2011, um, and I'm I'm really really happy with that one. I'm glad I I picked it up. So. Um, but yeah, I'm just getting caught up on stuff. I caught up on Orchid, which I think I already talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. And have you been reading Fatal yet? No, I haven't. It's so good. I have issue two right now, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my comic shop to get the third printing in because uh, the first two printings sold out in like 3.2 seconds. Um, and I, I want to get the first issue and read it, uh, and then I'll. I, I've got my. I'm signed up for it, so I will continue to get it. Um, but yeah. I mean, it, Criminal is awesome, and putting a supernatural spin on basically a criminal-style noir story, fuck yeah, I'm all up. I'm all about that. It's good stuff. So so good. I mean, Brubaker's proven that he can take things that should not match up and just mash them together. Murders and Archie. If you yeah. can do that, you can make Seems anything happen. Good. Yeah. Now, in the land of things that are like movies, but with still pictures instead of moving ones. Yes, there's some industry news <laughs> that we <laughs> should talk about. Wait, what, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> yes, what? Um, so, the, I'm going to go on the lighter The lighter one uh, is that there were trailers for, new trailers for Avengers and uh, Amazing Spider-Man released that, Amazing Spider-Man, I think the second trailer sold me on that. The first trailer, I was like, eh. I'm completely Does it look amazing? indifferent to that movie right now. Like I love Spider Man. Yeah, I I've been picking it up for a couple of years now. You know, and it comes out three times a month. Um, I do not give two bits of flying fuck about that movie. I was, you know, I didn't until I watched you the new trailer. Avengers looks like, phenomenal. Uh, Avengers looks great. I it looks like they're bringing in the scroll, and that worries me a little bit. Um, I know it's I know it's kind of the Avengers consummate enemy in the comic books, but I didn't ever think they would do it in movies. I thought they would kind of veer away from alien invasion stuff but i wonder secret or invasion well yeah i'm just wondering if they're going to make the scroll not aliens if they're somehow going to be like loki pulled them from hell or some shit whatever but they're going to go through a portal right yeah at the event horizon of a black hole and it's actually going to be a dimension into hell Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't that event horizon what wasn't that doom oh that too I think it was actually Event Horizon. <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! I'm out of here. <laughs> um, and the thing that the thing that bothers me is there's a, there's a rampant kind of uh, thing. Well, not rampant, I guess, but a bunch of people talking about boycotting Avengers. Why? Because they of love the, DC. No, because of the like fifty year old. Kirby versus Marvel thing, oh, and I'm like, yeah, bastards! Really, you like that? I, I sympathize with Jack Kirby, and I think that you know the the whole creators' rights argument is fine, but Kirby's Kirby's fight is over. Yeah, it's over. I don't know why they would boycott this now. Right, exactly. Though. Right, it seems kind of non sequitur. That's what I was thinking too, and they're basically because. A lot of people seem to consider Avengers to be the biggest thing Marvel has ever done 
is what a lot of people are thinking. Like the biggest blockbuster, the most preparation, like the Avengers movie is like the biggest thing they've done. You mean they're not boycotting Spider-Man, turn on the dark, turn off the dark? I can't remember which way the dark is turning, (laughs) but it's not. Turn off your brain. Yeah. Turn off the technical... And I just, you you made the exact point that I was going for is like, why this now, right? Like, people can whine about Kirby's creator's rights and how Marvel fucked him all they want, but that argument has been brought up and shot down and brought up and shot down and brought up and shot down like 5,000 times already. If he was going to win a lawsuit, he would have already. Yeah. The guy that did the Rolling Stones logo also didn't make any money off of it past the original sale. So, fucking A. These things happen. Right. Um, Corporations were cutthroat in the 70s against artists. Oh, yeah. We know this now. And therefore, artists do everything in their power to protect themselves now. Right? I mean, that's... This is actually a perfect lead into uh, Before Watchmen. Before Watchmen. Because, you know, another person who kind of got screwed over... Alan Moore. Hey yo. See, I don't think Alan got Alan Moore got screwed over. Because well, his, his, his original contract was as soon as it was done printing, the rights would revert to him. No, that's actually not what it says. It says if if the comic goes out of print, then after one year he gets the rights back. And that's that's the thing, right? That's the part about it that everybody's arguing about it now. Here, here's where I'm going to start. Um, Kibitzing. I'm going to be. I'm going to be the guy that everybody hates. L- let me throw one thing out here real quick before Wait. you do that. How many comics are you like, man? Why the fuck is that out of print right now? Like, you know, if you're looking sure. for something, mm-hmm. in 25 years, like Watchmen's never gone out of print. Yeah, because so here's this is what I this is what I call this. This is. It's not an uncommon clause in agreements of this sort over an IP. It's a clause that makes the artist, the creator, think that they've got a shot at getting their shit back when they really don't. Because the only way they're ever going to get it back is if the corporation decides that the co- that, that property can't make the money anymore and they're just going to let it lapse, right? From every bit of research that I've been able to do, and, and I did a lot because this has been a big deal for the last week, um, the contract that they signed, it's pretty clear that it says when, if it goes out of print, 12 months later they get the rights back. Now, the part that people argue over is what they were quote-unquote led to believe. What they were led to believe is the comic will be in print for a year, and then a year after that it will they'll get their rights back, mm-hmm. which... Maybe that's not acting in good faith. Maybe that's a shitty way for DC to have presented it to them. But it was sitting in front of them in a contract in writing, right? And this might be... So here's the thing that I believe. This might be a lesson that we have learned because of stuff like this. But if a corporation has an opportunity to maintain an IP that they're making money off of, they're going to do it. They don't give a shit about the creator. They're not going to care. If they have an inked agreement that gives them the ability to maintain an IP, they're going to do it, period. There's no... And there and a lot of reason why they do that stuff is because in, in a lot of IP law, if they don't, then they lose the rights to defend it, too, right? I'm I'm cynical about this stuff, but I just... 
corporations are not going to act in good faith. That's why contracts exist, right? Is so they're going to try and screw the artist. The artist has to look at that with a lawyer and say, how are they trying to screw me? And try and prevent them from doing it. And then when the contract is figured out, then they sign it and go, I've done everything in my power to prevent you from fucking me. Right? See, I thought in cases of uh, where something is vague, it always is in the favor of the individual and not the corporation. See, generally it is, but my my interpretation of this, and I'm not a lawyer, but my impression is that this... The wording is not vague. The way that it was handled as far as presenting it to them verbally and the way that the the negotiations went is where the vagary happened. Anyway, yeah. like I'm I'm on the opposite side of the fence for most of the people in the in the world because I I don't I mean I yeah, I sympathize with the fact that they lost control of their IP. It's something that they created and they love and and they lost control of it. I don't, however, agree that just because it's "quote unquote" the right thing to do, that DC should relinquish their their hold on it. That's just the way I feel because you gotta you gotta protect your shit, you know. And and Alan Moore's insane. So well, yeah. that's also true. Um, and anyway, we're anyway writing a prequel. So they're making a bunch of prequel comics. Uh, they're all going to be. Um, miniseries based effectively based on the all the different members of the Watchmen. Um, so there's going to be Scarlet Spectre, uh, Silk Spectre, and here's where here's the other part where I'm going to be on the opposite side of the coin from everyone else. I think it might be cool. Like looking at it, I'm like this. The first of all, the the creators they've got on all these books are spectacular. So I'll, I'll read them off real quick. Uh, they're doing a four-issue Rorschach miniseries written by Brian Azzarello and drawn by Lee Bermejo, Bermejo who he is a um, he was the original colorist on the comic on the original uh, huh. Watchmen uh, Minutemen a six-issue Minutemen written and drawn by Darwin Cook that's gonna be awesome yeah uh, a six-issue comedian miniseries written by Brian Azzarello and uh, drawn by J.G. Jones if they can actually get him to draw six issues in a row. No. Like, like, <laughs> so, like, when you think of the books that J.G. Jones has done that have not been in a timely matter, most of them, I think, have been stuff he's collaborated with Mark Millar on. <laughs> well, mm, fair. There might be a reason for that, then. Uh, the Dr. Manhattan four-issue written by J. Michael Straczynski and artist is Adam Hughes. If they hadn't paired him with Adam Hughes, I would have just said, fuck that one because of really? JMS. You don't, uh, you don't like JMS? Not the only thing JMS has done that I've liked was uh, Rising Stars. Uh, all the other stuff I've read by him has been mediocre at best, and it's less about him as a creator and about the stuff he writes, and more about the fact that he's a fucking douche. Like he, he's really just—he's a jackass, and it kind of colors the things that I read by that's, him. That's unfortunate and also totally fair. Yeah, I can't—I uh, can't read Orson Scott Card anymore. What? Yeah. I mean, I can, and I, it's got to place my heart, but it's like... It's a douchey place? Uh, <laughs> it's It has douche taint. It's bad. <laughs> Ooh, You're do- doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I douched my taint once. <laughs> night, uh, there's a four-issue Night Owl, also by JMS, uh, drawn by Andy and Joe Kubert. 
Um, an Ozymandias uh, miniseries, six issue, written by Len Wein. Who, Len Wein, Wein. I think it's Wein actually. Len Wein, who was the original editor of the of the Watchmen, um, and drawn by Jay Lee, which that one I'm I'm looking forward to. And the Silk Spectre, uh, written by Darwin Cook and and drawn by Amanda Connor. Um, with these with these creative teams like they have the potential to be really really cool like but it also depends so here's the thing that i'm that everyone's saying like oh these creative teams are awesome and they look like they're going to be cool keep in mind this is the same company whose interference brought us the new 52 and they brought in a whole bunch of great creators that could have done yeah great creators that could have done awesome books yeah 58 i think it's 57 or 58 yeah 52 ish yeah they you know they had the ability to bring in great creators and do new books and then they interfered to the point where the books just mostly turned out trash and the good ones are getting canned slowly yeah i don't know what do you guys think about animal man you're next you're too good to be one of the new 52 (laughs) i i just you know the 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 nerd rage is this should never have been done because Watchmen is untouchable. Oh no, eh, that's not at all. No. That's bullshit. Okay, I, so I I don't have that nerd rage. It, I think that's silly. Like so, I think Watchmen was an amazing thing for when it came out. If you read it nowadays, it's not so good. I'm glad somebody agrees with me. You guys have been on this rant before, and yeah. and I I resist it only because I think it's okay for stuff to be a period piece, and it's okay that it's a period piece, and that doesn't make it any less good. I apply that logic because of you know paper books that are made of only words. Sure, I don't I don't think it's the periodness of it that makes it bad to me though. Is and it I just that bad. people just... have done? have expanded on the genre i mean that was pretty much like the one of the original superhero dark parody books yeah so i i guess i can i can look at stuff like that and i can understand its significance right um when i read watchmen i'm just i just wasn't all that impressed by some of the way it was handled like uh some of the some of the story beats in it are just kind of they just kind of plod along some of them are there's a couple of plot holes in it you know it's just it does it does surprising things for its era which i think is why it rocketed to such fame but i just i think it's just eh you know like it's and that's just me right i it's I, so I, here's the best way i can describe it it's better than let's say promethea and Neonomicon, but it's not as good as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or even Swamp Thing. Yeah, I was going to bring up League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because, yeah. in my opinion, that's that's one of my favorite of Alan Moore. L- the first two, I should say. Are, no, no Black are, Dossier for you? Uh, actually, Black Dossier wasn't so bad. Have it was the stuff the years, after that that like was... the 1969 I, I read one issue of Century 1969, and I can't do any more. There's only, like, what, five issues? Something like that. There's a couple of different years that they do. There's yeah, a 69 like, and a something, something, something. Those are really good, but I don't... Like, so... 69 Prometh- was not good. Just follow me through on this. All right. Okay. So, like, Promethea... Like, I'll, I'll get to the point of this in a second. Promethea, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, V for Vendetta, Watchmen. Like, I consider those, you know, actual books. Century 1969 and whatnot. Or, uh... Yeah. 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 Um... It just feels like a, a quick side story to me. The, well, that they totally are. makes sense because that's kind of how Black Dossier felt. Honestly. Oh yeah, Black Dossier. Like, like it was just sort of a thing because, like, hey, I love this universe. I'm gonna yeah. write some stuff. I've in taken it. ten penny novels and uh, taken you know all these literary classic characters that 
someone else made and now belong to everybody and uh, turned them into the... Oh, God, what is this movie? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you mean you've added American fiction to yeah. this? This is garbage. Yeah, well, I, we and don't also talk about the movie. fired the writers and hired a team of monkeys with typewriters. Yeah. It was the best of times. It, it was, was the, the blurst of times. times. Yeah. I... Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is, in my opinion, his best work. Um, I like the second one better. Oh, okay, I meant as, as oh, okay. A, Sorry, as not, a whole. Like, right? I wasn't saying like you know, nah, whatever. Um, I thought Swamp Thing was really good. Too. Swamp Thing's really good. Um, Watchmen is. I don't want to say it's bad because it's not bad. It's just it's aged not, poorly. It aged poorly, and it it although it carries a lot of significance for the industry. I don't think it's a. Um, I think that is the primary reason why it is a seminal work, not its actual hmm. aesthetics. That makes me want to go through and like re, re-analyze the plot and For, see what's actually going on there. Because read, read. You want a, a, another example? In my opinion, of this is another Alan Moore work, which is V for Vendetta. <laughs> I think V for Vendetta is. Um, the the middle third of that book is practically unreadable. I thought um, that the structure well, was, was really weird. awkward. Um, yes, so it, it is published weird. Yeah, it like was, it came out as um, it started com- in, it was a in a sci-fi magazine. Yeah, it was, yeah. In, it was in uh, oh. a sci-fi magazine. It was published in you know bits and pieces, and then there was like a big gap, and then a little bit was published, and there was a big gap. It's that another explains thing the that, structure, though. Yeah, it's another thing that I think the in that particular instance, I think the movie improved on the book in almost every way. Um, I don't agree with every way, but I think in terms of smoothing out the plot structure and making the story accessible, it definitely yeah. it, it slimmed it down, helped. definitely. Yeah. I just don't think, I mean, I definitely don't think that Watchmen is an untouchable work. And I think um, a lot of the points that have already been made on the internet and a lot of things that people talk oh. about, about like, um, you wouldn't, you know... You, Nobody seems to consider this same thing about any of the other seminal characters that DC owns, like Superman, right? Nobody ever said, oh, nobody but Jerry Schuster and Joe Siegel can write any Superman books. Was it Bob Kane? And Bob Kane did Batman. Batman. Um, right? It's like nobody ever nobody ever just said, oh, well, once Bob Kane's done with Batman, we're done with Batman. We can't... Nobody else can touch that. You know? It, like... I think that the Watchmen characters are archetypal enough and... They're actually based on other characters. And based on me. other characters that people are going to want to grab them. Well, that's And do you debatable. have a point that you're dying to make? No, no. I was trying to think of what the, the characters... That Charleston. Are. Thank you. Or the Charleston Comics universe. Yeah. And that's debatable, too. Like, there's... There's similarities. Yeah. But uh, so what I was going to go back to is the fact that you know it's important to comic the Watchmen is important to comics within the medium of comics. However, it's not within the grand scheme of things. It's not important. That is important. For instance, Fritz the Cat, right? Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. really important really to important. comic books. Right. I think it's terrible. I don't yeah. care about it at all. Mm-hmm. But I understand that it had an influence on later artists and writers who then went on to influence other people. See, there's a lot of stuff that's written by by people who are extremely influential to the industry that I that I don't think is that I don't think holds up for one. That may have been awesome when it was out. I I'm sorry to say this, I don't think a lot of Will Eisner Will Eisner's stuff actually is 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 that great. Like I think I it understand broke his, bounds in terms of sequential art yeah, exactly, and right? what you can do with the medium. And and I'll bring this around to uh the film history class that I took in college where we studied Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, there are things that that movie does that are extremely important to film. Rosebud that, frozen peas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it, there are things that that movie does that are extremely important to film, and they're they're it's one of those works that has long reaching um, influence in the f- movie industry. It's a boring fucking movie. <laughs> it's just not an interesting movie to watch unless you are studying it in the context of its craft. influence and yeah. the, and as part of the craft. Because one of the things that I never thought of when I watched that movie the first time was how influential it was on special effects. Because there are, especially for a movie in its time, a lot of effects in that movie that were done for the first time ever. And you never you never notice it, which is the, the benchmark of a good special effect, right? right? Um, but just... It's just one of those works that, yeah, it can be important without being good, you know? And that's my opinion on Watchmen. It's just, it's okay. It's not it's not spectacular. And to be honest, I'm interested to see how some of these creators, especially in my opinion, Brian Azzarello, Brian Azzarello tackling Rorschach and the comedian. Those yeah. are some spicy characters. <laughs> that I want to see. I, I guess, I don't remember if I said it already or not, I don't care what happened before Watchmen. Because the point of Watchmen was what happens well, at the end. Well, that's the thing about that's Watchmen. Also true. <laughs> the thing about Watchmen is that half of Watchmen is before Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I of, when before, before I read about it, I was assuming it was going to be like the, the stories of the Minutemen, and that's it. But apparently not. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess they're. I mean, I guess they were all around during the Minutemen's. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope Doctor so. Manhattan one actually takes place after Watchmen. <laughs> so Time doesn't matter to Doctor Manhattan. So you've got look at my giant blue dog. Twenty-four pages of like out of order snippets. Yeah, like so. Basically, he's going to write a coherent story and then just start flipping panels. I just, I guess, I want to wrap this up by saying, like, one, I don't think it's an untouchable work. Two, I think that these books have the opportunity to make um to be really successful and to actually be something that's interesting to read three the one point that not many people are bringing up on the internet um about this that you know a lot of people are arguing the merits of why this is a good thing to do Uh, some people are saying why it should never have been done nobody's addressing the fact that the real reason why in my opinion they're doing it is to maintain their rights to the property because you can only reprint the original so many times before you hit market saturation, right? Even at 25 years of reprinting, there is not a comic shop on this planet that I've walked into that did not have a copy of Watchmen in some form. Be anything from a trade paperback all the way up to the Absolute Edition. Um, and eventually, you run into a, a saturation point where you're just not making enough money to warrant the reprints. So now, what do they do? They create all of these miniseries that they're probably going to stretch out for at least two years, right? The contract is that they can't stop using the property for 12 months. If they stop for 12 months, it reverts back to Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. So the entire time they're doing monthlies, now they're free and clear. For a year after they stop doing monthlies, they're free and clear. Then they start printing trades. And they print the trades of each miniseries. And they spread them out by six months, you know, whatever. They're... This is a property extender for them. So despite you going on about how corporations, artists need to be really careful about signing contracts with corporations because mm-hmm. they're going to be bastards, your point is it's okay for the corporations no, to I'm, be a total bastard? I'm not or saying what? It's, it's the point of them doing this. The, is point, yeah, the point of them, of them doing, doing this is, is that, to be a that nobody's, total bastard? Yeah, that nobody's talking about. It. I th- it's my opinion that the reason this exists is because they've come to a point where reprinting the original is no longer financially viable for them. But they so they needed a way to extend their 
the brand in such a way that allows them to keep it. Like they did it with the movie, right? The movie came out. That gave them more. Mm -hmm. And now this gives them 20 more years worth of material that they can just reprint and they can keep, they can keep the brand ad infinitum. Um, and I'm not saying that that's, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying that that's like, I'm not putting any judgment on that either way. I'm just saying that nobody's saying it out loud, you know? Um, Anyway, that's that's my point. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but I'm I'm also I think that's probably why they're doing it, but I'm a little cynical think, about it, but I don't I don't I do think Watchmen is a really great work and I don't think it's untouchable, but there you go. All right. So after before Watchmen, mm-hmm. um we've got uh an up and coming uh series of Adventure Time comics for those of you who haven't watched much children's television <laughs> adventure time is a fantastic tv show that started out as some like wacky internet video that you found on people sharing it on facebook but then but then they got signed to cartoon network i think and uh now ryan north of dinosaur comics is going to write a i think five issue or so miniseries for them which is fantastic and scott kurtz is drawing one of the covers he was been he's been <laughs> tweeting about being like <laughs> i get to draw a cover for adventure time right i would i would go to her if I had anything anything to do with it, so it should be fun. Um, I read a couple of sample pages; they were fun. The art was attractive. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be cool. I don't. I I know very little about Adventure Time, and I'm going to have to go back and look. And I don't understand what your kids are doing with your <laughs> times and your adventures and yeah, your goofballs. Well. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Always high on goofballs and crack <laughs> and exploding meth. Getting in the voice right here. One second. After the fact, episode twenty-two, part two. I thought you were. I so thought you were going to be like, "Hold on, I got to get the voice right here." Just <clears throat> give me just a sec. No, what we're talking about on after the fact. We're going to talk about comic books, Scoop. <laughs> Yay! So for the last two weeks, we have been reading. Well two weeks it doesn't take two weeks to read this book axe cop (laughs) bad guy earth it is the second trade of the axe cop series by malachi nicole and ethan nicole um for for those of you few listening to this show who don't know what axe cop is or don't know the origins of it um it is it was a web comic to start it still is a web well okay it still is a web comic it's a it's a web comic that was created by a five-year-old at the time the original when the original Malachi came out Nicole Malachi was Nicole five. was five and the uh the it was basically while while his brother was visiting their family for Christmas he would you know go play with his little brother his, uh Ethan Nicole who's the artist on the book is uh now 30 I think he was 29 when the book started um 28 maybe 27 or 26 i thought he was about 20 years older than malachi uh no it says here it it said that he's like 30 he's like only he's only a few years younger than me um brothers are born 24 years apart there you go so ethan was 29 and an eisner nominated nominated humor artist and uh then at the time malachi was five um so it started with them just play acting. You know, the little kid 
doing make believe with his toys play and time. doing playtime and he created uh you know he he handed his big brother uh, perfection a, <laughs> he handed him perfection <laughs> yes he handed his big brother a plastic axe and told him he was axe cop and then picked up a plastic recorder like flute and called himself flute cop and then they went on a bunch of adventures and that's and uh at the time ethan who was a who was a cartoonist uh just did a one-page thing where he drew you know drew the adventure that they had for that day and kind of pasted it up on the their uh refrigerator and had a good laugh about it and then put it up on the net and then made more and it turns out that everyone on the internet is at heart a five-year-old boy mm-hmm. who or once the heart of a five-year-old boy on a platter but either way <laughs> this will this will satisfy the okay this is why i love this book green river killer was like 10 episodes ago dude so. reason why i love this book, <laughs> not being derailed here is uh so i am a preschool teacher occasionally you get like two and a half three-year-olds who are really verbal and talk mm-hmm. constantly and are able to like say two and a half three-year-old thoughts but like really articulately and that's always hilarious because it is and this is similar in that you've got like the imagination of a five six-year-old and i think he was six when he did when this one yeah he did say he was six. volume two bad guy earth mm-hmm. and it's just it's like those elaborate games that we all have from our past, but in like glorious Technicolor with, you know, yeah. with the Im- the imagination of the kid and the art skills of the adult. It, it was a match made in, in comics heaven. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really honestly, I, I will, I will do my best to, to offer my opinions about this book, but I really don't know what to say about it. Only it's because hard to say. it's hard to follow. I mean, like the writing, I, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know, the, know. the plot, the plot threads in this don't quite. Uh, but they, that's the thing; it does lot. have a plot thread. Wait, 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 there's sorry. a lot of plot holes in this book. I'm, and, I'm uh, sorry, I misspoke. I mean, this is the fucking greatest thing since <laughs> sliced bread. This yeah. is along lines of like Scud the Disposable Assassin, and um, even to a certain extent, Johnny the Homicide. Maniac. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard. Uh, and what I was saying—that's a uh, funny correlation. Yeah, we were having a, a discussion before the show uh, that I that I mentioned that this book is is nearly unimpeachable because what are you going to say about something that was written by a five year old? Your argument is invalid. Your argument is invalid. Like T Rex with machine gun arms. Yeah, right. Flying T Rex with machine gun arms. I know adults um, who can't write this well. I mean, like it, seriously. seriously. Okay, so like, there's like this list of these like weird. You know, sort of just off killer things like you've got uh, Sam and Max, Milk and Cheese, like I said, Scud the Disposable Assassin that are just completely out there. Flaming Carrot Man. Flaming Carrot. Um, you know, this is completely along those lines, and it is wonderful. But for it's that more fact. genuinely along it's like those lines, right? Mind. This this is not. It's this not is trying to be weird for the sake of being weird. It's yeah. trying to be you know well, as it, awesome it, it, as being possible. Awesome as possible in the eyes of someone who doesn't. No, who do, yeah. You know, they're like, he's okay. who doesn't the have the constraints? He's going to censor right? himself. Right. All of those books were created by adults who were doing their damnedest to to just be make something again. goofball yeah. and be five again. Because this is actually written by a five slash six year old, it is so stream of consciousness, and it is so just you. Not only do you follow the thing that i found when reading this one especially because of the fact that this is a three issue continuing story 
ish. Uh, but it's all it's a self-contained thing, as opposed to the the originals, which were right. like one-off stuff. And that's why I chose this one because it has a continuous storyline. Yeah. and it actually really does have a a entire arc of plot, and I think that's I think that's where Big Brother helped. He didn't take over the creative process, but right. there's a whole essay in the back about like how they went about together. And he a- went back and asked a lot of questions of his little brother about like, well, how does this connect to that? And helped with structure so that there could be a sustained like 75 page book. Cause yeah. the otherwise ro- the robot chicken brains be. that have yeah. cybernetic parts <laughs> are stealing diamonds. Why? To make the bad guy machine. <laughs> Wait, what bad guy machine? The good guy machine that they're going to turn into a bad right. guy machine. Right. Obviously those are, these are the things. And that's what I would, that's where I was leading with this is that reading this, I think if you read this, not knowing where it came from, it would still be awesome. It's, it would, it would still be awesome. And you, but you would think to yourself, Oh, so somebody, you know, somebody, sat down and did a Scud the Disposable Assassin or, you know, a Ren and Stimpy or, you know, those kinds of things. When there's an added element with Axe Cop, especially with this one, where when you know that it actually came out of the mind of a six-year-old kid, not only are you, at least for me, not only was I reading it and seeing the, the plot points and everything, when something took a weird turn, like... um. Sakurang's uh, mom, like Sakurang's mom, or or putting traffic cones over the unicorn corns to to uh, mute their ability. You know, when those things happened, not only was I like, <laughs> "That's funny," I was actually like thinking of malachi sitting around like coming up with this shit and thinking to myself how awesome that would be to just be in a room with this kid while he's playing and being like ah. and you that know that was you, an interesting facet was the fact that this is all coming off a of very like physical i have boxes of toys right which i am actually getting my little cop figure and giving him an axe and like yeah. you know sticking modeling clay unicorn Man, horns on you know it'd be awesome with this t-rex thing that i got from the museum fucking gatlin guns yeah where Let's we chop up some. Oh, his arms are his gone. Arms are... He's got galleon yeah. arms. Yep. And and things like um. Oh God, what was I going to talk about? Because I'm I'm looking through the book and it's just I'm just laughing already. Like like the concept of you get the blood of something on you and you become that thing. You know, which is a running theme through all the Axe Cop stuff. Like. Flute Cop gets the blood of a av- or g- he eats an avocado and becomes Avocado Cop, and then he gets a unicorn horn on him. He's like Una Avocado Cop, and then he gets the blood of a bear on him. He becomes Bear Cop. Uh, you know he, and then he gets zombie blood on him. Becomes Zombie Bear Cop, and zombie I, just Bear President, Zombie Bear President, and and like just the the stream you you follow the playtime through it while you're reading it, right? It's not just reading the book right. for the stuff, but you're, you've get this imagination of being a five-year-old and having being surrounded by goofball toys and doing what a lot of, like, I don't know about a lot of people, but for me, I didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. My family was pretty poor, so I kind of played with whatever I could get my hands on. And you make up shit, you right. know? You, just, you, you, make, you make shit interesting that's not interesting. And socks, socks, right? You sockerang, sockerang. Now it's it's weird enough that you come up with a sock that's a boomerang that you fire and it and it hits something and comes back. Um, 
it's even more weird that you create characters who had their arms chopped off and replaced with sockerangs that they can fire from their shoulder sockets. How is that like, but that makes sense when you're playing with toys and the arms yeah. fall off. Like that's what happens. Right, and right. You're like, like, hey, you so have what, so could, like, what could be yeah. here? <laughs> I, you know, and I never thought about it, and now I think about it, I'm like, oh, okay. So he's got like some sort of like big GI Joe doll or a robot or something, and the arm yeah, came off, and he's off. like stuffs a sock in there. He's like, ha ha, sucker egg. So like, like I, I've played for uh, Warhammer 40k for 20 some years now, and when I first started out, I'd get the models and I'd be like, okay, what would be cool? I'm gonna take the rocket launcher from this guy and put it on that one. You know, all the adult, yeah. like, you know. All the people who are like we've been playing for years before that, like, well, that's stupid. That's not how it works. But it's fucking awesome. So Webster <laughs> right. represents a primal urge, then. Oh, to absolutely. Shit. A T Rex with with giant cop sunglasses and yeah. and fucking minigun arms. Yeah. This baby. entire comic is what Tom Selleck wanted to be as a child. I think without knowing it, Malachi Nicole is is like channeling the wisdom of of the classic ancients. You know. He's got, he's got chimeric <laughs> things going on. He, he's I'm, I'm reading Ovid right now, so that's really all I can think about. And and Ovid's Magician all about things turning into other things, and he's like about things getting blood on them and then turning into other things. That's that's very classical, really. <laughs> he doesn't know it, but he's deep as hell. Well, either that or we've we've come down the same path that like every parent finds out that they're, you know, <laughs> I took trig in high school. My kids are going to take trig in junior high. And now we've come to the point where classic philosophy and mythology is going to be coming out of five-year-olds because that's how far we've progressed as a society. <laughs> I like Yeah, the we idea really haven't progressed that far. Yeah, that's true. As how far we've progressed <laughs> as a society. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good indicator. <laughs> yeah. The 19th century England had Charles Dickens. We have Axe Wow. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking through the photos in the back of this book, and they're showing all, like Malachi with all his toys and stuff, and they made a foam replica of Unismart World just because they knew it was going to get attacked and they needed something to, to act it out with. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Sometimes as a writer, I kind of want to, you know, play with toys as a method of, like, coming up with plots. It's right? just kind of appealing. Wait, wait, check it out. Episode 22 of After the Fact. End. Chop. <laughs> yeah. I have the uh, Axe Cop poster that is like the... Chop. Yeah, the Chop the poster. Obama, yeah, like the Hope Shepherd poster, Fairy but Obama, yeah, yeah. But with Chop. Yeah, I remember you picked that up at Emerald City, didn't mm-hmm. you? When you're, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I'm, at the time, I hadn't read Axe Cop. At all. I hadn't read any of the online stuff. I had, mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, people talk about this thing, and I have no idea what it is. How um, much more do you need other than the title? I right. mean, really. And uh, I only, up until we had decided to do this for the show, I had only read, like, probably the first 10 pages worth of stuff online, um, which is, like, one of the, it's like the first five comics and then a bunch of the, uh, like answering email stuff that they did. And Question then, and answer about yeah the Q and A stuff. And then finally, um, with cops, whatever. When we decided to do this for the show, I picked up both trades, and uh, I didn't read through the whole first trade. I read through all of the quote unquote story parts for sure. the first trade, uh, and a few of the a few of the other ones. And I totally understand why it like skyrocketed in popularity because it's awesome. It's it's it's, it's awesome incarnate, awesome. right? 
and it, it's everything that that kids think are is cool made into something real and tangible that will you know that will last like and i think that's awesome i think it's uh like i was saying at the beginning of the show it's just like how do you how do you even begin to critique something like this how would how would you sit down and start to critique it I think for me, it wasn't a matter of like, ooh, I'm going to pick this book apart. It was more a matter of like, I'm interested in this because I think that process is interesting. And yeah. it's it's interesting to look at like how they work together to get a coherent story that's as long as they get. And to look how at how like the storytelling aspect of like it's two people playing with action figures translated into and informed the actual comic like we were talking right. about with Soccering. My this is probably one of my favorite images is the the flying cop car, flying rocket cop car, with axe cop hanging out of one window and uh, dinosaur cop Wexter. Wex no, that's not Wexter. That's, that's the the oh cop yeah, guy. That's dino cop. Dino okay. cop hanging out the other window, firing a, an automatic uh, machine gun with a license plate that says scare tactic. Yes. <laughs> Yes, all kinds of yes, uh, and that's the thing. Like you, can, you. Um, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to go into the topic of critiquing this book because, like, when you read something like this, how do you? How would there even be reviews? How would reviews even exist you, of you something don't. like this? Because you, you can't. It's would, like I don't know because Maybe. you can't. You can't really say, "Oh, this makes no sense." Well, of course it makes no sense. It's written by a five-year-old. It's got no character development. Well, of course it's got. It's got character development, but it's. Five-year-old's version of character development. It's it's. I think the it was plot it was six, line is six, six or whatever. Seven. Six, I think it says. I think in the six book. for this one, and I think that's important because when you hit about seven, you start doing like uh, girls. N- n- <laughs> oh, really? Uh, that may explain not, a lot about you, Andy. Maybe uh, not doing, <laughs> but maybe recognizing. <laughs> uh, to make my point, uh, <laughs> you start censoring your personality at that age. Yeah. Like, it's it's just a thing. It happens. You start becoming embarrassed about stuff in ways that you weren't at the earlier plane of development. Let me throw out a, a very good example of a counterpoint to that of a person that you might have met. His name is Micatron. <laughs> <laughs> we call that arrested development. Oh, <laughs> and and we show. love him for it. Yeah. I, I think um, the interesting development of Axe Cop is going to be, like... Th- Ethan Nicole has made it very clear in public um, because, you know, he's caught a lot of flack for this book. Um, is he because, taking advantage of Is he child? taking advantage of his ah. little brother and whatever? And when in actuality, he's just, you know, you read about the the process in this. And and first of all, Malachi still lives with, with their parents. And I don't think their parents are going to let him, you know, fuck around with this kid. Of course. They're, they're just, just not going to, it's not going to happen. Secondly, you read the stuff about it and you realize that it's just him realizing how cool some of the stuff his little brother was coming up with and just deciding to put it on paper because he's a cartoonist. That's what he does. He's he's playing with his brother. Yeah. It's great. And then um, it'll be interesting to see how it develops because they've made it very clear. Both They, they said in the first book, they say it on their website, um, the book stops or the comic stops when it stops being fun for either one of them. Right. When, I think that's important. When Malachi outgrows it, when when Ethan gets tired of drawing it, when they get 
tired of coming up with this crap, you know, would play when it's no longer playtime, the comic is over. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Although volume I, three is coming out. Yeah, volume three is coming out. And I mean, that being said, the things, I mean, it only started in 2010. Mm-hmm. So, 2008. 2010, right. according to the book. The first one was put up online in 2010. So Malachi was probably born yeah. in 2005. So yeah, he's only five years old, dude. It's not like we have a lot of leeway here. So I thought it was on Facebook. No, MySpace in 2008. And it was actually published for the first time in 2010. But like, semantics anyway, it don't matter. Yeah. Point no. being, I suspect that Malachi is going to outgrow it before Ethan does because all thirty-year-olds oh, secretly really want to be six, and and this is giving him the opportunity to be six again, which is the reason why it's so delightful. Is because not only yeah. is is it just like the random spontaneity of a child, but it's like we're looking through the older brother's eyes of like, oh man, this is totally awesome. Yeah. Look at this shit I get to draw. And the the beauty of it, being an artist, uh, uh, he gets, not only does he get to draw a cool comic, but since he has to work within the world and the, the framework that his little brother is building for them, he's he's constantly forced to challenge himself. He talks about oh, that. Yeah. Like where he's like, how how many other artists are going to have to figure out how to draw like unicorn horn worlds and Nathan Fox. (laughs) Sure. But how many, how many artists would be tasked with drawing the scenario where a bunch of chickens, uh, heads pop open, their brains come out with robot parts and swords and go to, you know, go on a rampage and chasing a cow. You know, I like it just Rob Schraub. Scud the disposable artist, or Scud the disposable artist, Scud the disposable <laughs> hey, um, assassins artist. What do you writer. actually think about this comic, Andy? <laughs> uh, I, I, like I said, I love it. It's phenomenal. It's great. Like the fact that you know, it's just so out there yeah. makes me happy because you don't see much stuff like this. I mean, I've you know, I've been reading comics for twenty five years or whatever. I can think of five or six books that are sort of along this vein. Most of them not as good. Yeah, not as. It's very pure. That's what. That's the word I was looking for. Not as purely fun mm-hmm. as this, you know. And it, it's cool because because he's a little kid. He's not jaded by goof, you know. By um, I don't know what the word. But I guess jaded is just the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Where it always has a happy ending, you know. It always uh, everybody always comes out bet good. I feel in like the he's end. very like little kid mindset in terms of like how much death matters or doesn't matter. Right. Like the whole relationship of death with the book. Most of it's very cartoony. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Then the, the, the giant rat stepped on the witch and killed her, <laughs> but she wasn't dead yet. He wasn't all the way dead. Or, or hey, there's all these characters that are doing all, and then they died. And it's just, yeah, whatever. they're gone. Time yeah, to move on to on. something else. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to throw these toys back in the bin and go. Yeah. I don't know. I actually remember playing wacky games that were not this creative, admittedly, but still yeah. just like wacky whatever, probably based on Star Trek Next Generation type games as a child. And that's where I actually got my concept of death. Because I was like, I want to have my character die. And my brother was like, <laughs> you, the, you can't play with that anymore then and i'm like what really i thought it was just like passing out but worse <laughs> no what do you mean my level one wizard fell off the horse and died 
I'll tell you the one thing that came out of this book that I hope gets adopted by the scientific community is the number Tyranotillion. I hope so. I really hope that they decide that the largest number in the universe is Tyranotillion. It should be. How big is it? It's a Googleplex of Googleplexes (laughs) with a Googleplex of zeros behind each one. Not Uh, as big as Infinity, just... Tyrannotarian. Just it's like <laughs> the infinity minus one number, equals right? Tyrannotarian. There you go, <laughs> Tyrannotillion. Uh, Have you guys read his other book? No, I haven't. I'm going to mm. now though. Chumblespuzz. Yeah, so, he's Chumblespuzz. he's got a couple of stuff and a couple of a couple of stuff. A couple of stuff. He's got a, he's got <laughs> some stuff in a in a thing. Luke um, Matthews Literati. I desperately want rocket and fire plushies. Yeah, like badly. With the the goggles and the straps across, like what what are they even? Uh, I think they look like rabbiting rabbits. They do a little bit. They sort do. of that combined with Pikachu. Whenever I see them, I just think ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's just there's so much there's so much in this book that you can just yeah. go like I want to dye my hair and go as Axe Cop for Halloween. You should <laughs> to work. Yeah, <laughs> with an axe. I, I um, over well. like the the especially this book is fun for me because it's the book where they decided to just keep ramping stuff up, up and up and up, and then like Shabacus, right? Then he summoned a monster named Shabacus. Shabacus could fly and yeah. shoot lava out of his feet. How does that even he, work? <laughs> he oh, had a shit. sword and a machine gun, and his eyes could see in the dark, and he had machine gun ears and was covered in spikes. He was the most powerful monster ever made. And not only is the imagination of that um, amazing, the rendering of it is excellent. That's, like, that's the other strength like, of this book and why it's amazing is because the style that Ethan chose is like, semi serious yeah it's serious enough to be like here's a really realistic rendering of like what luke just read like this ridiculous monster but but it's like you can see through it how he's taking his brother seriously but it's still really fun machine gun ears right (laughs) and lava out of his feet indeed it indeed it does so good the best, the best part for me about this whole book, like I, I laughed a lot when I was reading it all the way through. I, I think it's, I think one of the funnier parts of it is, is how every, when, whenever a new enemy shows up, they come from a new planet that yeah. it looks like that enemy basically. Like aliens come from a planet that's shaped like an alien head. Um, it, the the psychic people come from an a planet that the con- the main continent looks like an eye. Right, like the whole planet ends up looking like an eye. It's like unismart planet's got a unicorn horn coming out of it. Um, That kind of stuff. Just I just laughed. It just it's just goofy and awesome, and it makes you feel good when you read it. You're like ah, right. The best part of this whole book for me was at the end when all of the heroes and villains squished together into giant conglomerate (laughs) hero and villain, and and I just imagined like. Ethan with a handful of all the action figures and Malachi with his hands full of all the other action figures just going and then exploding all over the place, you know? And I just every time I see that, I'm just like, that's the kind of shit I would do when I was a kid. Because the moment you see Voltron, everything forms into something else from that point forward in your life, right? (laughs) It's like... You know what this reminds me of is those 
like two or three strips of Calvin and Hobbes where they were drawn in the style of like Rex Morgan MD. <laughs> yeah. Like serious um, drawing for so childlike stuff going yeah. on. Chumble Spuzz, the other book, is uh-huh. actually a reference to Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, nice. Is it called Chumble Spuzz, really? Is that, I thought. I know it's got a weird that name. I just uh, that, that doesn't. Survey so says. Like it, uh, it's not in this book. I'll have to go look it up. But yeah, yeah I. I, there, there's a point where I'm. I don't know if it's in this book. I know he talks about it in, um, in the first trade. Talks about uh, some of the homages, like homages. Oh. <laughs> I always say homage. I at one point in my life I pronounced it homage, and was corrected. Now this was when I was a kid, and then I was corrected to homage, and I just squished those together into homage, and. It, I don't know why, but I've never been able to get that out of my head. Anyway, Fox Pass, dude. It, it really is. Um, where he talks about certain parts of it being homages to, for example, the aliens in the beginning are 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 far side aliens, right? There, oh, there sure, are yeah. there are far side aliens. The the first time they go to a foreign planet, it's a very spaceman spiffy type planet with, you know, and the and the homages to those kind of cartoons because. He is a kind of a traditional cartoonist, right? And so he's going to pay homage to the best of the best, which from my generation, because I'm technically his generation, like he's he's in his early 30s. I'm in my early 30s. So the Early or mid? Early. I'm 33. I'm still in my early until February 21st, so shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, but two weeks. Um the best two comics from my childhood were Calvin and Hobbes and the Far Side. Yeah. Period. Like other kids now might, you know, might have something else that falls in there that's different. I don't know. I don't know what. When the fuck was the Family Stage Circle Stage. popular? Is my question. Yeah, it wasn't. My grandfather's the only person in this universe that's ever liked it. Yeah. Gra- no one likes grandparents. It. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's old it. people. I, I, my oh, dad. That Billy's so adorable. My dad was a big fan of Andy Cap. Um, Andy Cap and Blondie were like my dad's, but my dad was old. My dad was, you know, when that's a demographic, the Andy Cap Blondie demographic. I yeah. can see that. Um, my dad was the age of most other people's grandparents, about my age, but uh, like, yeah, that was his. Wait, you're the age of other people's grandparents? I am. <laughs> okay, I am. that was that was a really well constructed <laughs> sentence, sir. I don't know. You know, I just I, t- I, t- I talk on the internet every week. It's it's something I do. Um, Real blog? writers don't use sentences. <laughs> Dave Foster Wallace doesn't use sentences. I don't know. Anyway, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this. It's, so it's hard to talk like, about other than saying it's amazing. <laughs> so I think the message I'm hearing here is that this is on everyone's buy list unless you hate things that are awesome. <laughs> no, no, wait. Here's what I'm going to say. Because it's free on the internet, just read it. Oh, yeah, that too. But you honestly, as y- you know that I am a cheap bastard. Like, if nothing else, I am cheap. I buy the cheap versions of trades. I buy cheap things that are cheap. However, I think I wouldn't buy trade paperback number one. Not going to lie. It's worth it to buy trade paperback number two because it has all of the process stuff in the back and because it's really attractive yeah. and because you should have it like on your coffee table or in your bathroom so you can have like Wexter all the time. So we did. I would buy it and I'm a, I'm a cheap ass. So I, I guess we'll I guess we'll step into that and then we'll move on to the emails we got for the show. Uh, oh, we got emails. Um, I would say buy as well. And if we're going by borrow burn, I'm going to say buy and I'm going to say buy both. 
only because um, if if we ha- if we can have any faith at all in uh, Ethan Nicole and his relationship with his brother, you know damn well that half or more of the proceeds of this book are going to go to his little brother. That's true. Which every penny that they make off of this. Uh, I'm willing to give them, right? So if they can make money, let them make money. Yes, you can read it for free on the internet, and I would say go read the first 10 or 15 uh, comics that are on the website, and if that is attractive to you, if it's something that interests you, go buy the books because you know you're going to like the rest. You can also get attractive merch at tapatico.com. Yeah. You could also have bought the single issues as well as the trade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I bought it, just to let you guys know, as much as I wanted to give it. That's kind shit. of a given, right? I mean, Green you River buying Killer? every comic? Single issue. Green River Killer? That what? was a graphic novel. If there are uh-huh. issues available, you usually buy them. But Sometimes I get my list confused with my lists. <laughs> a little well, bit, yeah. Sometimes. So, buy Barbara Burn. Clearly yeah. a buy. Yeah, this is a, this is an all-around buy, this I is, think. Yeah. It's just, just... Unless you hate fun. It's... It's so. You can also get people who don't like comics into comics this way. Yeah, I yeah. I know um, I know this this is gonna sound horribly sentimental from someone as jaded as me. It's about as uplifting a comic as I've ever read, because it's just so fun and it's, it's so you you understand the the kid the kid brain that it came out of and it kind of transports you into that mindset mm-hmm. and makes it awesome. So. We've got a couple of emails. One of them from Snicker. Snicker hasn't read, oh, shit. Uh, hey, written Snicker. in a while. Um, he says, uh, so I've read a little of it, and it reminds me a bit of The Tick. How much do you see a resemblance there, and does it make you wonder if The Tick's writers were actually just kids after all? <laughs> so uh, I mentioned Flaming Carrot earlier, and uh, yeah. there's uh, some good Mystery Men Tick Flaming Carrot crossovers. Oh, my so God. It totally, yeah, it totally goes in that direction. Good God. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Uh, that I was a big fan of the of the Tick. I've I don't own any of it, but I've read a lot of it, and um, I was disappointed that the TV show only lasted five episodes because it was hilarious. Um, but absolutely, I can see correlation there. And hey, 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 Snicker, uh, if you like the Tick, totally go check out um, the Pro. It's much darker. It's by Garth Ennis. <laughs> oh God! Uh, totally. But it's it's very 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 sarcastic superhero. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, the second email we got um, is from disgruntledaxcop at gmail.com, and it is entitled, I Am Angry. And it says, listen up, quote-unquote, trade secrets. I've got a real secret for you. I'm unhappy. Why am I unhappy? Have you tried battling for justice with just an axe? I mean, please, they don't have axes. They have things like stun guns and AK-47s and other sweet weapons from Counter-Strike. I just get an axe? What am I, a lumberjack? I don't think this is from Axe Cop at all. No, Axe Cop knows the power of the axe. Axe Cop now, spoilers... Axe Cop defeated, like serious things that were shooting lava out of their feet uh-huh. and like had machine guns with an axe. And, and I'm sorry, but uh, I, I don't care if I'm spoiling the end of this book for people, but it's now okay. now he has an axe made from the bone of a magician woman and the blade from Mr. Cup. <laughs> All right? Painted to look like a fire axe. That's got to be the most powerful weapon on the planet. Right? Like, like Excalibur, get out of town. Sword of Grayskull, what? What the fuck ever. He, he, he. Yeah, you, you can't, you can't beat that. That's like, 
Like you could, you could, he could have defeated fucking Saruman. Disgruntled axe cop. I'd have one thing to say to you: man up. Seriously, man up and and don't ever let trust in the power of the axe. Don't man. ever let real axe cop hear you whine like that because he'll chop your maybe, head off. Maybe he's from the disgruntled planet. Uh oh, uh oh. You don't uh, d- don't <gasps> let villain. them find don't let them find disgruntled planet. Oh, because that'd be terrible. They'll explode. Uh, so can yeah, you, can you forward that email to me? By the way, I absolutely can. That's amazing. Um, it's a solid buy all the way around. We all loved it. Um, for it, it's got for for being as simplistic as it is, there's so many layers when you read it, like so many different ways to interpret it that it just <laughs> it's, it's like just, awesome inside of radical, wrapped in amazing. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can we, buy it. In trade paperback or single issue form, did we do that already? Yeah. Okay. No. No. No, we haven't. We haven't talked about where you can buy it. No. We can buy it in trade paperback form. You can get it free on the net. You can buy it on the net if you're lazy and don't want to leave the house and go to an actual comic shop. Sure. Uh, you can get single issues, but they're kind of hard to find now. Yeah. Um, so just go ahead and get the trades. There's there's two trades. The first trade is is more of the the little web vignettes. Uh, the second trade, Bad Guy Earth, is the continuing three issue storyline of Bad Guy Earth, complemented by a bunch of uh, process information and a kind of a making of story in the Pictures back. Pictures of the toys. Pictures of the toys that made everything up. It's it's uh, it's excellent. It's worth every penny. Go buy it. It's awesome. And speaking of buying all of these, uh, we actually did get a third email tonight. Uh, We got it right before we started recording the show. It's directly from Ethan Nicole. He sent us an email because he saw that we posted the the announcement that we were recording on Twitter, and we had included him in that. So he actually sent us a uh, a preview of the next miniseries. Uh, The the next miniseries is called... Uh, Axe Cop, President of the World, and it starts. Uh, it starts in July. Um, he sent us a. He sent us the cover. The cover looks amazing. Uh, we're not allowed to post it to the website though, so you guys can't see it until it comes out. But uh, it does. This one does come out in July. And he did send us a synopsis. He said. He said it. It. It, it kind of spoils the first issue. So if you're not interested in having the first issue spoiled for you, then don't listen for the next like 30 seconds or so. But I'm going to go ahead and read this synopsis that he sent us it says after saving the earth from evil and poisoning all the bad guys x cop was made president of the world by the u.s military one night while praying god tells x cop that the world will be at peace for one million years but after that bad guys will attack from space x cop prepares for the prepares the globe for all-out war by sending all crime fighters and superheroes one million years into the future x cop announces that when he when the enemies arrive he will kill them all which only serves to anger all the bad guys in space who join forces to kill Axe Cop as he awaits the impending conflict. Axe Cop befriends a man made of goo and a gorilla from space. So go out uh, in July. The third uh, the third miniseries starts. It sounds like it's going to be awesome. It's called President of the World. Uh, go out and pick that up too after you pick up the first trade and Bad Guy Earth. So, Andy, what are we going to read for the next show? Through the magic of editing, we're going <laughs> to go with Darwin Cook's The Hunter, the first book in the Parker series. Okay. We're not just going to read the whole of Parker? Like everything that's in the Martini edition? No. 
Come on. That's a lot. <sighs> All right. So we are reading uh, The Hunter. Is that what it's called? Yep. The Hunter? Uh, by Darwin so, Cook. By Darwin Cook, who's one of the before Watchmen creators. Smurm, 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 smurm. But before, before Watchmen, there was Hunter. <laughs> He's uh, a crazy bearded man. Uh, that will be in two weeks. Uh, please uh, keep in mind that we will be at the Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle in March. Uh, come at visit our come visit our table. We will uh, we will high five you. We will sign stuff if you really want us to. Uh, if you talk to me in public, apparently I'm louder. Yeah, uh, we will record interviews uh, over the course of that show. We have some tentative uh, guests right now. I don't want to say anything just yet because I don't want to jinx it. But um, we have recorded this entire show on one of our new portable recorders. uh, So we, we are testing out... Uh, whether or not this is going to work for the show, and it seems like it's going to. So, um, but w- yeah, we'll be at Emerald City. If you're in Seattle in March, uh, we'll get you exact dates on the website because I don't remember what they are. It's like March twenty something. It. Um, I believe it's the last weekend in March. Okay. Um, Micatron, uh, co-host of After the Fact podcast, will also have a booth there, I, and I'm trying and, to get the booth next to his. Okay, and That'd I would sweet. suggest I would suggest wholeheartedly checking him out because also he has a piece of artwork in in Monsters and Dames, which is the art book that goes along with Emerald City Comic Con. There's some pretty awesome guests, so uh, get your asses to Seattle for a pretty good Comic Con and come visit us at our booth. Um, Micatron just did a painting of Deadpool chopping the head off a unicorn while like legally prancing across. The painting and like firing a minigun at the same time. Yes. That's all I can say about that is yes. Okay. So we are uh, going to wrap up the show. You can follow us on Twitter. The main show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod. I am at Geek Elite. Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Anne is at Anvin Tweets. The missing Joel Simon is at Superfly, spelled weird. Uh, you can f- uh, like our Facebook page, uh, www.facebook.com slash Trade Secrets. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, if you want to be a part of the show like Snicker and Disgruntled Axe Cop were today, you can email us at tradesecrets at geekgriffic.com or you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and we will read your emails and comments and questions on the show. And also we wanted to thank, uh, directly thank uh, Ethan Nicole for sending us that information about the, about the third uh, miniseries that comes out in July. Uh, we appreciate your uh, participation in the show and uh, hopefully we'll see you at Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, I think that's all we have to talk about. Next show will be will be Darwin Cook's The Hunter, the first book of the Parker series. Thank you, Andy. You're welcome. Thank you, Anne. You're welcome. I am Luke, and this tripod is out. <laughs> <laughs>